Hi everyone, I'm Jody Rye and welcome to the We Are BC Fed Leaders podcast. This episode is dear to me for two reasons. First, it is the last episode of the 2019 season, marking the end of the BC Fed Leaders campaign launch. For this reason, I was accompanied by three guest co-hosts, Joanne, who enabled this podcast to be in French in addition to English, and Frank and Caitlin, who will be part of the team overseeing the BC Fed Leaders platform in 2020. The second reason for why this episode is important to me is because it's connected to human rights, an area that I am very passionate about. The episode was actually recorded in the fall of 2019, and given the climate and state of our world today, including being in a pandemic and the anti-racism protests occurring, this episode is extremely relevant and timely. In this episode with the Pacific Forestry Center's Harassment and Discrimination Advisory Committee, I'm speaking with a team of nine dedicated humans passionate about equality and respecting diversity. Listen to Grace, Judy, Shannon, Chris, Nicholas, Carolyn, Tony, and Congola, who describe why the committee was formed and their intent on raising awareness, increasing capacity, and educating their colleagues on how to honor diversity and be inclusive. Describing themselves as innovators in this space, their proactive approach sets them apart, and because of their genuine efforts, the PFC has lived and breathed by their zero tolerance mandate. In the words of the Director General of the PFC, Judy Beck, diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice. The advisory committee has chosen to be inclusive and it was an honor to speak to these public servants who are dedicated to making their workplaces free from harassment and discrimination, doing so by supporting each other and staying positive. Happy listening and happy learning. What has been the intent or what was the intent um, when it comes to at the Centre for the Harassment and Discrimination Advisory Group? How, how did you folks form and, and, and why? What was happening? Um, the group was formed in 2011 under the leadership of, of a former DG, Tammy Ramcharan, as a call to action and address the issue of harassment and discrimination in the workplace at PFC. The driver behind it really was the PFES um, served a survey indicating that PFC employees were experiencing some harassment and discrimination in the workplace. And so, you know, this, this really, it started as an email and a request um, to ask whether there would be volunteers who would come forward and form this advisory group. And there was an you know, she explicitly expressed concern and showed personal interest about addressing the issue. And there was great interest. I, I just looked at the old minutes and there were over 20 respondees to, to the call. So immediately I knew that this was an important issue that needed to be tackled here at the center. Uh, the three surveys that were done, so 2008, 2010, and 2011, you had numbers well over... 10% of people felt they'd been harassed and discriminated against. And this was an ongoing issue. It wasn't something that was just showed up in one survey. It was showing up in all of the surveys. 
which indicated that there was an endemic problem within the center itself. Mm. And Tammy put out a call to put together, to assemble a committee who would then look at the issues and see if there was a way to raise awareness within the center of what was actually going on. And, and, you know, within a diverse workplace, we shouldn't be looking at 10% of people being directly impacted by it. And let alone we had no idea what sort of discrimination, what sort of harassment, you know, what form it took. Was it one individual, multiple individuals? What was the situation? We had absolutely no idea. And so this was one of the things that we wanted to do was raise awareness with people so they knew what avenues they could take to uh, confront the issue, but also to dig deeper and maybe identify what the issues were and to educate people on what their uh, options were and educate people who may have been unwittingly harassing others or discriminating against them to make them realize that they were, they were doing this. Oh, j'aimerais vraiment ajouter que euh, après euh, l'enquête, le sondage 2011, et puis comme il y avait à peu près 10% des gens qui se sentaient euh, souffert de la harcèlement et puis la discrimination au milieu du travail, alors euh, la directrice générale Camille avait décidé d'envoyer un courriel pour euh, demander aux gens s'ils veulent participer à former un groupe. Alors le groupe s'est formé et puis euh, et puis là il fallait savoir ben, comme les Les sondages euh, point de vue euh, fédéral, c'était pas vraiment, euh, on ne donnait pas beaucoup d'informations sur les détails, ce qui se passe euh, au centre du Pacifique. Euh, euh, et puis là, on a demandé aux, euh, aux administrateurs ici si on pouvait faire euh, un sondage local juste pour les employés du centre de forces du Pacifique. Alors, euh, c'était pas facile, mais ça a été accepté par l'administration ici. Et puis, on était allé de l'avant. Et puis, on a créé, euh, préparé le sondage, euh, l'enquête ici locale. Et les gens qui ont vraiment mené cette enquête-là, c'était euh, Chris West qui a, euh, avec euh, un sondage manqué, je pense. <rire> et puis, il avait composé ça. Et puis, les gens qui, qui ont vraiment traité les les données c'était euh, euh, Richard Winder et puis et puis euh, euh, Nicolas Conder et puis Nicolas Conder euh, euh, pendant les meetings généraux ici ils avaient il avait présenté ça et puis c'est à ce moment là que euh, ces sondages nous ont donné vraiment les idées comment on pourrait euh, commencer notre campagne d'éducation et puis euh, d'information aux employés à ce qui concerne l'harcèlement et puis la discrimination Et puis, dès là, on a commencé notre campagne, on a continué jusqu'à présent. Donc, on est toujours, parce que ce n'est pas encore fini, on est toujours à, à faire des campagnes pour éduquer, informer et puis donner aux, aux employés qui ont la possibilité, si quelque chose arrive concernant l'harcèlement et puis la discrimination. Et est-ce que vous êtes en mesure de nous dire s'il y a des gens qui se sentaient euh, discriminés euh, basés sur euh, la langue officielle de leur choix? C'est vraiment difficile euh, avec les données qu'on avait, euh, parce que les questions, euh, c'est possible, mais on n'a pas vraiment les données euh, exactes, combien de personnes, parce que euh, la constatation était anonyme, et puis, et puis on ne pouvait pas savoir qui, mais c'est possible. Je ne pas dire qu'il euh, n'y en 
ça va pas mal, c'est possible, oui. I think, uh, to summarize everything, there's, there's lots of uh, different things uh, that are, I guess we would call aspirations for the group that we've been working on, but the overall aspiration is, is what started it all, mm. that, that PSES survey and, and, and the desire to improve our numbers there. That, that's the overall target of this group, to see us, uh, uh, we, we say that we have zero tolerance of harassment and discrimination, well, well, that should be our target, and we have a metric, we should try to meet it. And, and uh, we, we realize that's difficult to, to uh, be perfect in an imperfect world, but, um, but nevertheless, we feel that by trying, we're, we're, we're uh, improving the workplace as best we can. Thanks, Richard, for the, for the summary of that, and, and Nicholas and Grace and Kangola for, for sharing your, uh, the initial sort of, well, how did, how did this all come about? And, and I appreciate the, the, the reference to the employment survey and the tangible action that was taken in terms of the committee being formed, but also that, okay, well, what, it's not just the numbers that we're looking at. For sure, that's important, and, and, and they were themed numbers, because over the years you saw that this was something that needed to be addressed. But I think it's quite interesting um, in terms of the fact that an internal survey as a follow-up was one of the mechanisms that you folks decided to use to see how can we dig even deeper. And so to not only get that zero tolerance and, and, and have it shown through our numbers, but also the, the additional digging deeper and helping folks in terms of understanding these sometimes tough topics. And so with that, I'm curious, given the longevity of, of, of how many of you have been on the committee for as long as you have been, what has changed at the center as a result of the committee? And we've got Kingola and Nicholas and Tony that might be leading us in terms of um, your thoughts on that. What has changed? Um, again, I've been here from the onset, but I have been with Canadian Forest Service and the Government of Canada for 31 years. Uh, what has changed is that, well, harassment discrimination might still exist, although we don't see lots of evidence from it. It is well known within this Pacific Forestry Center, and I'd like to think the Forest Service as a whole, that it won't be tolerated. And that is that is what has really changed. It is no longer uh, considered to be a minor offense. It's considered to be a significant offense. And in terms, can I ask you, was that Tony that spoke? Yes. Tony, I'm wondering, um, in, 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 in terms of that, what, what did it what actions or what did it take for folks to be able to own that statement that it's not going to be tolerated and and how did you folks bring about the ability for folks to feel safe um, in their ability to voice concerns that they 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 might be having or or had uh, you know initially being shown through the survey well I'm, I'm going to let some of my more senior colleagues address that because that goes back but I, but I would say that the I mean in many ways we're our society is moving more and more in a more positive way in that we don't condone harassment discrimination, even though it exists in our societies. I think we've just, in the federal service, and particularly the center, I just think we've really tried to focus on hammering that message home and provide consequences. Um. I think Nicholas has got a correct answer for you. Uh, one of the ways that we, we did this was through the use of the survey. Uh, we, had, we spent a lot of time working up questions to include in the survey and then we posted the survey through SurveyMonkey so everything would be completely anonymous mm. uh, and all that would happen is that we would get the results of the survey plus any comments that were associated with it and after we did the number crunching what we did was we presented the overall results of the survey 
survey at one of our all-staff meetings. Uh, one of the things that I did to drive home the point of how pervasive the issue was, was to actually number the chairs that people were sitting in before the meeting. And then during my presentation on the results from the survey, uh, I, would, I called out numbers to get people to stand to illustrate how many people had actually been directly affected by harassment or discrimination. But then we actually had a bit of a broader thing is where I asked people who had actually witnessed it to also stand. And by the time we got through that, one quarter of the people in the room were standing and that hammered home to everybody how serious this issue really was. And one of the things we also made a point of during the presentation was what mechanisms were available for people to bring issues of harassment or discrimination to the attention of either uh, union, management, their supervisor, basically, you know, whichever individuals were best equipped to deal with it. Mm. And Nicholas, I'm curious, the survey that, that, that you're, you've referenced that, that you folks um, entered into SurveyMonkey, was it the same questions that we see from the Public Service Employment Survey, or did... No, they were actually different questions Okay. what you actually see in the Public Service yeah, Survey. Yeah, fa- Fascinating. You know, oftentimes, it, it, you know, I've been with the public service for 18 years and, and with NHR, the, the survey and, and hearing feedback from folks, oftentimes they would say they're not totally sure how accurate the results are and or they want to dig dig deeper. And it's really um, interesting to hear that you folks did do that. I also love the example you just shared in terms of how do we show how real this is and what a powerful way to do that where you have um, you know, in terms of systems thinking, they'll talk about, well, let's have the entire system in the room. And and you folks did that at this meeting. And then not only did you have everyone in the room, you were able to demonstrate a really powerful message from the numbers by showing uh, the impact um, of folks. And I think that's really amazing that you folks were able to do that. I also love that you then connected it to well, where do we go from here? And so what are the avenues and who are our support networks that we can go to to resolve and, and at least uh, you know, and elevate us out of um, where we're at right now? That, that's very interesting. Um, Kangola, did you have any, anything additional that you wanted to add in terms of what you think has changed? Yeah, just as uh, update that uh, uh, survey result and the, the internal result, and uh, we develop a campaign of... Uh, promoting civility in the workplace. Uh, we have a poster you put just uh, talking about harassment uh, and, uh, and uh, discrimination. And uh, we have a lot of, uh, we did also, after that uh, survey, we did a uh, uh, workshop. People can uh, discuss case and then uh, see what is uh, a solution for that. Mm. And then after that, we went through uh, uh, a really campaign of uh, Bullying awareness, and uh, we have a lot of campaign about uh, uh, 4P. That is a positive, polite, positive and a professional that uh, uh, we are for or reduce or mitigate the uh, harassment discrimination about this possibility. So basically, that is uh, our campaign on from uh, 2012 till now. We doing a lot of uh, 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 activity related to. Uh, harassment, uh, discrimination, and uh, and uh, bullying in the workplace, 
and uh, for this fee, we are planning another campaign poster, poster focused on, on uh, four P, mm. as I said, and, and uh, I think it's going great. But uh, if someone I want to add. Yeah, if I could add something to that, uh, I totally back up what Kagakolo is saying that, you know, we're undertaking a lot of activities that raise awareness on a continuing basis. And, and so when you asked the earlier question of what, why has that attitude changed to this being serious, um, a lot of that is due to the fact that uh, we've raised awareness. And we know we've raised awareness because... Um, the PSES survey itself, uh, has, has, it showed almost right away a, a very good improvement in the percentage of people here in the center who, who believed that something would be done about harassment. Mm -hmm. So just by the virtue of the fact that we're doing activities that were visible, that we're raising awareness, that makes it more serious. If people don't think you're going to do anything about it, it's not a serious issue for them. If they think you are going to do something about it, then suddenly the lunchroom conversation about harassment is not just joking, sort of digs into the issue a little bit and people start realizing, oh yeah, things are things are changing here. Awareness is, is so critical to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate the, the additional context and examples that Kangola talked about in terms of a campaign and a poster and, and then again, the connection to building awareness. It, the actual doing, so taking looking at the numbers and then making doing something so it's actionable and then you know the revisit to see well where are we at now let's do a pulse check and you know and topics that are related to harassment and discrimination those can be very hard things um to talk about oftentimes it's you know well like you know it's it takes courage to come forward um, depending on your own exposure and experience to that and the the one connection that i thought of as kangola was talking was along civility and respect and how it sounds like you folks were doing the the campaign and the and the poster and the awareness sort of from the get-go so 2011 2012 and of recent years we see a lot of focus on a psychologically safe workplace and of the factors that are connected to that civility and respect is one of the 13 factors so it's quite inspiring to hear that you folks were you know kind of on the ball and 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 I think that was Nicholas that spoke that in terms of taking it seriously and doing something about it it's extremely inspiring. Et aussi um, j'avais une question par rapport à tout ça uh, vous nous parlez souvent des choses que qui ont marché uh, les éléments qui ont bien été est-ce qu'il y a eu des choses dans le processus ce dont vous avez fait que vous avez dit ah oh, faut s'arrêter peut-être que ça c'est pas une bonne idée ou est-ce qu'il y a eu des messages que vous avez dû um, Et puis dire que c'est tolérance zéro, euh, ce qui concerne l'harcèlement et la discrimination. 
et puis continuer toujours avec notre campagne euh, 4P <rire> qui est être positif, être professionnel et puis euh, être poli. Ça c'est très important parce que si on est tout ça, on ne peut pas vraiment affaiblir l'autre personne, on ne peut pas discriminer. Alors c'est ça vraiment euh, euh, l'image positive qu'on va on, on veut amorcer. Euh, nouvelle campagne, c'est-à-dire la campagne depuis 2011 et ça a changé au fur et à mesure, on regarde toujours euh, ce qui se passe sur le terrain. Euh, on n'a pas tout résolu, il euh, y a toujours certains problèmes, sauf qu'on a dans les bons chemins pour euh, réduire, éradiquer l'harcèlement et la discrimination. So, I don't know if you've, you've touched on number three, but uh, I'd love to be able to, to, to go there in terms of the third question. Um, so, excuse me if, I, if you've already spoken to this. Uh, the, the third question is around why um, are some of you, and I guess all of you, personally interested in being part of this group? And we've got Chris and Carolyn and Grace and Judy possibly leading us in, in, in answering that question around personal interest. Hi, Chris speaking here. And I think... One thing that really, when the group started, what spoke to me was my, I, I felt the communication was a big part of why a lot of these issues came about. I thought having a formal group would help foster that communication. That was probably the biggest thing. And the other thing, I, I have uh, children with disabilities and, and, and special needs, and discrimination and harassment, bullying, happen at higher rates to at-risk people like uh, of that nature. I just felt reducing it you know, helps people that maybe can't help themselves as much. So, hmm. uh, those are kind of my drivers. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Uh, this is Carolyn. I first started really when I was uh, back in 2011. I was interested in gender issues. And so myself and two other members actually on the committee were part of the Women's Network as well. Hmm. And like this committee, we often had events where we would bring in outside speakers. And it was curious to see the overlap. Uh, for example, we had uh, speakers that that uh, discussed communicating in conflict. So communication was the theme. Um, and we also had an event where we talked about inclusive spaces for social change. And really, either of those events could have been associated with either network. Mm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that communication and inclusivity were important topics that really continue to this day. We can always consider them. Mm, nice. Grace and Judy? Judy, this is Grace. Um, yeah, again, um, I just want to say thanks, thank you, Judy, for suggesting this podcast, and also for Jody uh, for facilitating today's podcast. Um, I have to say that this exercise made me pause and reflect on my involvement in this group and what has been done in the past, and what have we done, and what we need to do. And and that that goes back to my both my personal and professional experience um, as a first generation immigrant and a woman of color. I have experienced and witnessed harassment and discrimination, and I'm not talking just in, in the workplace, but in my everyday life. Um, and so this, this particular topic is very, um, it hits a lot of notes. Um, I didn't realize it nine years ago, but um, you know, thinking back and, and you know, reflecting on why I was so passionate about this is Harassment and discrimination is a real issue. Mm. It's it's a complex issue. It's serious, and and it's you know I, I think from the time that we started eight years ago, I, I would say that it hasn't become simple. It's, it's actually become more complicated. Um, there's been you know we, we deal with 
employment equity issues, we deal with LGBTQ, the indigenous um, issues. And so, so I think it was, it was very, very forward thinking at the time to actually tackle this at a local level mm-hmm. because um, issues like this need to be discussed in person. It actually becomes very contrite if it's, it's written or read. If, 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 you know, you don't get the personal experience on how actually people feel. And, and so um, I've learned a lot being in this group. And, and I, think, I, I think about like why I joined this and why I continue to be. Because I want to keep learning, and also I want to help educate and share my story. It's harassment is not just a feeling; it actually is a measurable act or behavior, and um, again, it violates a person's human right. And it's it's under the Canadian Charter of Rights. So it's it's, it's something that I feel obligated moving forward because of having children, women or girls that are going to be growing up and, and I need to pay it forward so that the next generation becomes more educated and well-equipped on a lot of the things that I've experienced and hopefully it, it becomes diminished or reduced in the future. Mm, thank you, Grace. It's Judy here. And, and for me personally, this resonates quite loudly. Uh, while I'm the Director General, I started my career in forestry in, in the 80s, and I was one of very few women who graduated in forestry at the time. And I was really interested in, in pursuing a career in wildland fire. Uh, and it was unspoken, unheard of, that a woman would ocu- occupy an operational role in that space anywhere in Canada. In fact, I left Canada to go and find the education and experience that would bring me back to the position I wanted in Canada. Uh, absolutely encountered harassment and discrimination throughout those early days of my career and so it's important to me from a particular gender perspective but even more broadly from an employment equity perspective um, yeah um, diversity is a fact but inclusivity is a choice and so I think it's really important that we're part of that Uh, while I would have spent a lot of my time on the emergency response side far more constructive to be working on the emergency prevention side. And the same is true for harassment and discrimination. So those are things that are really important to me as an individual um, and and even more important um, to walk the walk from a leadership perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love the connection that you made there, Judy, and, and, and I've heard you say that before around the whole concepts around diversity and inclusion and the idea that diversity is is a fact and and owning, owning that and honoring our diversity. So we all come from different backgrounds, different experiences. You know, if you look at the, 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 the factors of, of discrimination, we will all identify there in different ways. And what your committee has done, I feel, is really owned and embraced, well, what does inclusion look like? Recognizing that we have this diversity, whether it's diversity of thought or visible factual diversity, and what are we going to do with that based on these two very serious topics, recognizing that if we want to be inclusive, there is commonality that exists amongst us for why we've formed and what we want to see become accomplished. And, and even as Carolyn spoke, even the, the, the work um, example of there's overlap between a, much of this work that's happening in the public service. And so that's an, an interesting reason to be involved because why don't we leverage all that great work and see where we can continue to raise the bar and or uh, shift uh, our, our train of thought and, and, and thinking. I, I appreciate all, all of you sharing uh, candidly 
um, you, you know, your personal reasons um, um, for, for being part of the committee. I, I'd love to jump to question four. I think it's a pretty powerful question, and this is initially going to be starting with you, Concola. So what do you, I guess, what do you know now, or what do you wish you knew uh, back in 2011, if, if that's w- w- when you joined the group? If I had more more knowledge all of the step, now I know the step it takes to you know to go for the, what happened, how to follow the chain of command to go until for conflict resolution. There's uh, uh, have more background on on psychology side of the effect of that. Uh, probably uh, uh, because we are not uh, the group is not. Uh, uh, like a police whenever he goes, because we still have some people we, we are we are not uh, not to go far enough, but you know, we are just advisory committee. So we provide information, provide advice. At the beginning it was difficult just within the group because some people have very uh, experienced harassment for a long time and they try to pay back whenever. So because they have to say, Okay, we are there in the group so we how can I try to not uh, it's not uh, uh, they can't ever say in French <laughs> just because he has part of that, but that just kind of just uh, uh, help us to grow up, get above uh, the emotions and the try to focus on what is the, the mandate that the committee have and how to go forward. I'm not sure if anyone else has something to add to that, but I wanted to say that, you know, when you're joining groups, you know, as as Congola had talked about, the idea around, it may not be easy. It may not be easy to join a a group initially. And so I I love that you talked about, you know, maybe it would have been kind of cool if I had a bit more sort of confidence and or skills around conflict resolution and how to talk or how, how I can have my voice be heard. Um, but also jumping into it and knowing that you don't know, but now you now you do, or now that because of the experience that you have, you've been able to learn and grow. And I think that that's a really great example of experiential learning, and that you know pushing ourselves to try something different and knowing that we will learn not just in terms of knowledge, but possibly new skills. So I think it's a, it's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Um, before we jump to number five, is there is there anyone else that wanted to add anything around? what you wish you knew uh, when you had joined the group? Uh, Richard here. I guess I'll just one small note. I, I think I, I, I wish I had uh, maybe been a little more aware that some of the attendees would have particular background or experience that they were that they were frustrated by. Uh, I mean, for me, it was a random assortment of people, uh, but I think if I could thought a little deeper about it, it uh, wasn't random at all. So I think if, if some of these groups uh, form elsewhere. There, there should be that realization. As Ken Kola said, you have to focus on the mandate. We're not we're not the policemen. We're focused on, on trying to come up with a generic solution to to a wider problem than, than just an individual problem. The individual problems inform us, and and hence the need to have a kind of a grassroots approach to to solving things. But nevertheless. Uh, get down grassroots, you can get down into the weed uh, when, you, when you really need to have that uh, overall vision for, for moving forward on, on a generic solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I quite appreciate that lens, Richard, um, with the idea like, how do we actually see incremental change happen? How do we see personal change happen 
when we are systems within larger systems. And, you know, the connection that you've made in terms of like, well, we're not the police and we're not necessarily the subject matter experts. As um, Concola described, you know, it's more of a imparting a, and sharing of information and, you know, possibly having information sessions or the campaigns that you folks have been doing. And then, well, what's the impact? And, and again, tying it back to possibly even, well, what's the intent? And and I think you're right. I think connecting it to well, the mandate and or the bigger picture, well, what are the results now telling us is an important uh, focus point because it, it can um, we can get sort of mired in detail sometimes, I think. Um, I, I'd love to hear from Chris and Carolyn and Sharon and Richard. The four of you have, have ag- agreed to sort of take on this next question. What elements or factors uh, have been critical in your minds around the longevity and the engagement of, of your team and your group? This is Chris again. Uh, I was thinking, well, we talked a bit about this in our last meeting, that having both union and management, I think, has been a, a big help because it brings uh, solutions, people who can actually enact solutions to the table, which I thought was really important. Um, when I, as I thought about it, a couple other thoughts uh, kind of came to, to mind, and one of them was we always have annual goals, which I think is important. We're always trying to improve. We're trying to look at what what's happening and how how can we improve it. So we're, yeah, that's one thing I think that's important. Mm. And I think that we have an, an accommodating and open culture and, and positive. Like we we try to support each other and help you know help everyone's ideas be successful, which I think is a, is a big driver to success and longevity. Nice. Yeah, and I'll. I'll carry on. I think I, I could echo some of Chris's comments as well. Uh, part of it, logistically, is just having a big enough committee that you can take on different activities. Um, and I've had committees where we've done a ton of work, but it, you know, flames and burns and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes a slog, you know, it's a grind, and you, you no longer are interested in doing it. But this committee is big enough that people can do different activities when they have time, um, and it still carries them those forward. And there's still ways to go. You know, we've, we've made progress, but there's still more progress to be made, and I think we're all interested in having a more positive and professional workplace. And so we can just keep going. <laughs> and I think people are happy to do so. And then I'll echo Chris's comments on the support from management, who provides uh, staff time as well as money. And besides having the experience is something sometimes helping us understand um, what can happen in the workplace and how it can be dealt with. Having that background experience is really helpful. Um, this is Sharon. So I I, um, I totally agree with both those, those comments and just to build on the, the support factor. Um, it, it's really important to have management support and buy-in for this project, but I think what's really unique about this committee is that it's still employee-driven, so mm-hmm. that even though management participates and comes to meetings, um, we have this amazing opportunity to work on something with management, but really it is still employees that, that decide the direction that we want to go, which is very cool. Yeah, I, I think uh, from from my perspective, it's very clear that support of the regional director general is, is critical. And I don't just mean that for supporting to have a meeting or supporting to have meeting space. Uh, active participation, active interest, and, and active engagement and let's face it, sticking one's neck out uh, and, and taking risks where you know that, that, that it could potentially go not the way you want if, if people aren't uh, on their best behavior. So that started with Cami. It continues with Judy. Um, it, I, I think it's, it's 
been with a background of uh, those of us on the union side uh, prodding and, and poking. I, as I mentioned earlier, even before this committee started, we were unhappy about uh, the harassment and discrimination levels and weren't and, and tried to find the courage to express that. But, um, to to their credit, our our, our directors uh, responded. So. What's critical is that it's grassroots, but it's not grassroots meaning only the troops in the trenches, and it's grassroots not meaning only the, the local managers. It's grassroots meaning all of those people working to a common purpose with a, with a common field of interest and, and feeling passionate about it, not just sort of passively engaged uh, because it's an item to tick off on the list, but, but you're actually like really interested in, in trying to do better. Uh, Richard, you're you're the uh, the PIPS representative as well. Did I hear that right? right. Yeah, and, and I I'm so pleased um, to, to have you with us and and to have that union lens and, and perspective. When I think about title, and you mentioned um, Judy's level in terms of title, this the the collaborative approach, recognizing our humanity at the end of the day, is what brings us together and could be your definition of grassroots. Is really beautifully said. I really appreciate you you making that comment. Um, because I think at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't have to be this renegade sort of sort of thought. It's just sort of like, you know, what unites us as being human? And, and a lot of it is feeling safe and feeling accepted. And then so what does that look like in our workplace, given the formal roles that we may have? Uh, you know, oftentimes in, in, in leadership training or, or, or talk, they'll, they'll say, you know, authenticity and be real and, you know, you, to use your words, willing to, to stick your neck out. And, and I think that that's a, a real testament to... Um, to really showing support and role modeling behavior. And so I, I appreciate you giving that that sticking your neck out uh, comment because I think it, it, to me, my mind goes to like, are you are you really serious about this or is it just you're going to check off, you know, okay, we're higher on this staff, but you really didn't do anything with it. Like you weren't really engaged. Um, and it sounds like the experience that all of you have had is the complete opposite of that. And, and you've been able to give specific examples as to why that might be the case. So that's um that that that's pretty neat. We're on to um our, our last uh, sort of question. Absolutely, please do. I just wanted to add one other thing. I think perhaps one one other factor uh, that has been critical to the longevity of this uh, committee has been the fact that we try innovative and inventive ways of getting our message across. So we don't just follow the the same old pattern. We don't do the same thing. We, first of all, we conducted a survey and we presented the results. Then we did a workshop. We've done posters. We brought in speakers. We've done a variety of different activities, participating in Black History Month, uh, participating in uh, you know, LGBT and, and all, of, all of these things. So that we don't take just one singular approach. We have a very diverse approach and are constantly seeking ways of bringing across our particular message in a variety of ways and are constantly evolving and changing over time yeah. so we don't stagnate I, I love it and thank you for sharing those specific examples i think that that's um the idea of different innovative you know again when you were talking initially uh, all of you were speaking initially about when, when this all started 
and I made reference to the to the you know a psychologically safe environment. You folks were kind of you hit the ground running, and this is years years before some of this stuff now is coming to light. And and so the innovative practices we hear that is a bit of a of a buzzword nowadays. But it's really cool that you folks have been living and breathing that um, as it relates to this um, to this committee that, that um, and the advisory group that you formed. I, I think it's um I think it's wonderful. I really do. I think it's really great. Maybe just summarize that in French. Yes, please do. Please do. Okay, c'est ça. Um... Alors, ce qu'on avait beaucoup apprécié, je pense, euh, dans toutes les discussions, c'est que euh, chacun et chacune des membres ont, ont partagé à quel point que euh, leurs histoires personnelles sont venues à les amener à participer dans ce comité-là et euh, être un agent de changement dans le processus et de la reconnaissance et de la promotion de cette initiative. C'est que tous ces, euh, tous ces témoignages ont été beaucoup appréciés. Et puis, ce qu'on on reconnaît dans tout ça, c'est que oui, tout le monde euh, veut chacun faire leur part et que le comité continue à évoluer et à trouver des nouvelles façons pour euh, garder euh, le comité à jour et, euh, et euh, dans un élément plus euh, évolutif dans, dans, dans le groupe. Alors, c'est n'est pas... C'est pas un groupe qui, euh, qui a accompli ses objectifs et ils ont arrêté là, mais c'est vraiment fascinant de voir à quel point ils sont toujours en train d'essayer de, de changer et améliorer euh, les choses. Alors, merci. Merci. Thank you so much. Um, I'd love to jump to the last question. It's again, I think a really great one, and and I wanted to thank um, Sharon and Judy for for and all of you for taking the time to to craft. Uh, I think some pretty pretty cool questions. So we're we're gonna look at this idea with uh, Tony and Judy uh, and Sharon and Richard initially. Uh, what advice do you have for others wanting to work in this space and or to join a group such as this? Uh, from my perspective, being a sixty-four uh, year old white class male who probably has never really uh, dealt with harassment discrimination directly and hasn't been bullied in about 50 some odd years, I'd, I'd have to say give some thought to the different forms that harassment discrimination takes. Uh, you know, Grace outlined some very good ones earlier and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. They, they take many different forms but uh, I mean I found this committee to be quite an eye-opener for me but give some thought to what these things cause, what constitutes harassment discrimination and maybe what your role is in trying to uh, do something about it. Thank you. I, I believe that in general, anything, any initiative aimed at working, improving the workplace um, that you want to do on the side of your desk is beneficial, if nothing else, than for improving your own situation proactively. Um, but aside from that, um, I think it's a great way to build connections with people that you don't necessarily get to work with. Um, to raise your profile within the center, particularly with management, and an issue like H and D um, really does matter to management in the workplace. So it's it's a great way to um, make them aware of of what your interests, your capabilities are. Um, and like we talked about in an earlier question too, it's a great opportunity to, to practice some skills and develop some skills that maybe you don't get to use in your regular job. Yeah, I think there's lots of benefits to your career to get involved in, in stuff like this if it's something that you're really passionate about. I I think. Uh... Well, there's, there's probably tons of advice I could give, but maybe some of the important ones would be things like uh, be sure to include uh, and don't be afraid of union involvement. I, I guess I'll put the caveat there. Of course, you don't want a, a, a sort of antagonistic involvement. Um, if you're going to do some sort of a grassroots improvement of things, you want 
the sort of actors who, who can find common ground and who are interested in uh, what we call on the labor side uh, uh, labor peace. Mm. We don't want uh, less harmony. We want more harmony. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. And, and, and finding those actors, uh, I, I think, is an important piece. The other thing, I think, is, you know, the root of this going forward has, has, has it's always been that, that this was uh, uh, sort of bootstrapped from, from the ground up. So, mm. you know, it wasn't dictated from above, thou shalt form a, an employee harassment and discrimination group. It was uh, people getting together in a meeting, what are we going to do about the PSES results? Harassment and discrimination was one of the categories. People signed up to discuss the issue, and then they realized, well, we should keep meeting, and that's how it started. So, you know, if it's if it's coming from a place of, of genuine interest, um, then, it's, then it's going to be a real thing and not something that's just going to give it a, a lick and a promise. Hmm. Well, just adding on that, uh, you know, uh, uh, based on my experience, I can say, uh, uh, never easy. <laughs> hmm. Nothing is easy, not you have to persevere motivation, have a goal, and uh, uh, patience, uh, because a uh, committee is a different uh, people that try just to be, uh, you know, tactful, <laughs> and uh, the eye on the ball, on the goal, that other thing can happen, thing happen, uh, a long way, but just uh, keep focus on the goal and uh, have a tangible uh, measure, success. Thank you for that. Uh, C'est Julie qui est là, et je vais répondre dans les deux langues, car je crois que à ce moment-là, on va, uh, bah, on a la chance de, de faire quelque chose très intéressant avec uh, les deux langues. Alors, je vais continuer en français premièrement. Alors, autant que leader, je crois que premièrement, leadership doit créer l'espace pour uh, les conversations, et c'est tout à fait une question de mettre. À nos réunions dans l'ordre de jour et de les continuer. Alors, c'est tout à fait euh, une question de créer l'espace pour les conversations et euh, surtout euh, de, de supporter l'équipe. Et euh, en vérité, cette équipe me demande pas beaucoup de choses par, par rapport aux ressources. Alors, je suis tout à fait contente de les acheter quelque chose ou de, de leur aider euh, dans n'importe quelle façon, car ils ne me demandent pas beaucoup. Ils, sont, ils ont fait des, euh, des initiatives eux-mêmes qui ne sont pas tout à fait chères, mais qui ont un impact euh, qui est très important. Et ce n'est pas une question de leadership, euh, juste de supporter l'équipe. C'est très important que le leadership fasse partie de l'équipe, d'une équivalence de chaque personne au table. Alors, euh, j'essaie je, 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 de créer la chance de, pour chaque personne de la comité de parler et euh, de contribuer. Et c'est plutôt à moi de les écouter, car on a deux oreilles puis un bouche, alors on doit écouter deux fois plus fort qu'on parle. Et finalement, euh, je crois qu'on doit célébrer nos succès, et on le fait aujourd'hui. So, uh, as a leader, I think what is most important is to really create this for the committee to meet and to be committed to creating those meetings and to attend those meetings. Um, and so if uh, leadership illustrates that, that there's, it's important for them to be part of the committee, others will come too. 
uh, as opposed to simply trying to delegate that at all opportunities. And I think the higher the leadership uh, presence at the table, to a degree, the better. But you certainly don't want to overwhelm committee members. It's my job to be here to listen mm-hmm. and to listen with two ears uh, twice as often as I speak. And I don't always do that, I don't think, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and then finally, uh, it's important for us to celebrate our successes, and that's what we're doing here today. And I, and I couldn't agree more with everything that you folks have said along the lines of, um, you know, advice and guidance. You know, again, you're living in, and breathing role models, um, tackling, you know, hard issues that personally affect us in, in the different slices of our lives, uh, let alone what's happening for us in the workplace. And so I really want to thank, uh, thank all of you and commend you for the work that you've been doing and I really appreciate you coming forward and, and, and being open with sharing uh, the, the committee, uh, the advisory group, the work that you've done. And I really hope that folks listen to the podcast because I think you've provided some really beautiful, uh, tangible examples and ideas that um, hopefully we'll see others doing. And, and, if, and if they already are doing, hopefully the, the podcast will spur them to, to share and um, you know we can continue to build on this great work. And as Judy says, celebrate that... Um, it, we're we're getting there, you know. I, I think um it might have been Sharon that said, you know, there's always more there's always more that we can do, but so far it's been pretty good. Um, Joanne and and Fr- I know Frank and Caitlin, you were you were going to take a bit of an observing role. Is there anything that you wanted to say before we sort of stop? <laughs> Judy, thank you so much for ta- for uh, giving us this opportunity. It's, it, it, it's really interesting to hear um everybody at the table speak and to hear their experiences and to make those connections with our, our work and our committees and everything else we do. So, um, moi, j'ai beaucoup apprécié. I really appreciated everything. Alors, merci beaucoup. Thank you, Joanne. And Frank, Frank and Caitlin? I just wanted to say thank you for all the work you've done and I uh, really enjoyed listening to all your comments this afternoon and uh, I feel I've learned a lot uh, just by being an observer. So, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Yeah, thank you uh, all for taking the, the time today to speak with us and for giving Frank and I the opportunity to, to sit in on this and, and learn from you. Um, it was just great to hear, you know, your thoughts on the importance of having management and the union support within that employee-driven um, group. I think that's something that, uh, that level of collaboration is something that we can often be intimidated by, and um, it seems like just such a critical component um, of your group's overall success. So um, thank you so much for sharing that with us, and uh, really appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you. And I think I, I might have heard someone from the from the boardroom was about to say something. Well, I was just, uh, I was just thinking of adding, um, or I was going to add, that one of the most important things with our committee as well is we always think positively. Mm. You always, uh, it, we're not, we're not like Sisyphus trying to push a boulder everlastingly up a hill. <laughs> we will get that boulder over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love it. Thank you. Thank you.